It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, November 8th, 2012. Thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Welcome to the program. Jacob, great to join you. Good to join you as well, and looking forward to our discussion tonight. They're trying to get hooked up in the chat room tonight on uh, on a Mac, and I think that uh, they're saying that it is possible, but we do know that we have a little bit of a technical shortcoming in that and being able to be viewed on this smartphone. And uh, so it, maybe we can uh, poll our audience for some help on that. How yeah, we've been we've been thinking that we need to get an app. Uh, we're deficient. Yeah, we're we're we smartphone need, we, deficient. We need to get a smartphone app because more and more people are wanting to participate via their smartphones. And so we're going to try to get get uh, some tech-savvy guys to help us out on it, if anybody yeah. in the chat room knows. Oh, well, there's, uh, there's one that just popped up who may be tech-savvy. Kevin uh, may be uh, the, the answer to our problem. But we would, uh, if you have some suggestions on how we can broadcast to a smartphone, we'd like that suggestion. But we are broadcasting to your PC and uh, even to a Mac, it looks like. Uh, Patrick appears to be listening on his Mac tonight, and so we're glad that he's here. And we're looking forward to your participation at 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. The chat room, as we've mentioned, is open to the right of your video window. As we talk about an interesting topic tonight, I think that there was probably a lot of hand-wringing among our audience uh, on Tuesday night of this week, I would, you know, they. Uh, my, my, mine doesn't sound right. Mine, it does sound a little bit tinny tonight, but I yeah. think we're probably. Okay. I don't know. Um, I, I suspect if they did uh, one of those Gallup polls or Rasmussen polls, and they pulled virtual Bible study listeners. Yes, yeah, so I think that that that, they, that that would have been overwhelmingly in favor of the candidate who did not win the election. Maybe we don't yeah. know. But, well, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm, okay. I'm guessing at that. Uh, but if that's the case, then what we what we suggested for a topic for our discussion today is your guy lost. Yeah. Now what are you going to do? Right. And I think that's a worthy consideration, Jacob, because I, my guess is that a high percentage, probably an overwhelming majority of those who join and participate, listen to the virtual Bible study, probably were pretty disappointed with the outcome of the presidential election this okay. week. So now what? I mean, it's over. Uh, the results are certain and final. What do we do now? Uh, yeah, we want to talk about that. And I think I think uh, our listeners were, if they were upset, were upset about the, uh, the statement that the election made with regard to moral principles, uh, primarily. Yeah. You know, last week our program was that we should vote our moral principle, our, our moral consciences. We, yes. By the way, Jacob, last week we interviewed State Representative Joey Hensley here in Tennessee, who was running for a new state senate seat. Yes. And he won. I don't know if anybody who's curious about it, those in other parts of the country or world who listen to our archives uh, would not have known 
But he's he's a local guy here in Middle Tennessee, and he did win his election. I hope he will govern in accordance with the strong moral positions that he was espousing on our program last yes. week. Yeah, well, he, he has in the past. He's, right. he's stood up for moral principles in the past, and so hopefully he will continue. Yeah. So uh, not all is lost. There were a lot of there were a lot of elections on Tuesday, not just the presidential election, and and good candidates won in a lot of those races. And we hope that they'll be able to make a make a statement and take a stand for what is right. We believe it's important. All right. But uh, it, it appears that the president that was elected will not um, make a stand for moral principles. Well, if he if, if his track record doesn't his track record is so. And so um, we thought it would be a good follow up. Uh, here we are two days removed from the election. What are we going to do now? Because a lot of us were pretty seriously disappointed with the outcome. So how do we react? What do we do? I sent out earlier today, Jacob, to our update list yep. um, some questions, as we always do on Thursday, tell you what our topic is going to be and, and give you some questions to think about and start giving us some feedback. We've got some. We want more feedback from you who are listening. You can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com or you can get in the chat room we'll be trying to monitor both as we go along and the tonight. chat room is probably going to be busy tonight uh, it's one of those uh, topics that's going to be yeah i think it's i think it's a hot button issue and, uh, yeah i okay. think people want to talk about it okay here are the questions i sent out earlier today number one list the responsibilities that christians have toward the civil government so let's just build a list what does the bible say we're supposed to do okay and then specifically, number two, specifically, how should Christians act and talk concerning a president or other officials that they, you, and all of you who read the update probably caught my typo there. It was supposed they to be, do like. <laughs> yeah, how are you supposed to react to a president or other yeah. officials that you do not uh, like okay, or yeah. approve of? Yeah. Okay. Uh, number three, can a Christian refuse to submit to governmental rules, laws, which which he does not agree? Okay. I'll... I'll, I'll there's three possibilities, yes, no, and sometimes, and I want you to explain your answer there. In other words, are there laws we can refuse? Can we refuse them all? Can we refuse some? We'll talk about that. And then finally, number four, after the recent election, at least one prominent national figure, I suspect a lot of people know who I'm talking about there, Yes. Uh, came out and used the word revolution. He said, we need a revolution in this country. And now he retracted that because I think he realized that was a pretty – Pretty uh, out there, inciting. Inside, in, inciting thing that could it, even it, get him in trouble. It could be exciting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exciting in jail. Uh, and so, uh, I asked the question. Now let's go back historically. If you lived at the time of the American Revolution, what would you have done as a Christian? What would a Christian have done in 1776 when the colonies declared independence from Great Britain? Right, uh, right, yeah. And so, could you? Would you have? Joined in the revolution? Okay. Or would you have felt obligated to be a loyalist to the King of England? Okay. All right. So we want to talk about that. Uh, this is purely and, hypothetical, of course. Right. Well, but but, th- but that, that leads to what might happen today. What That's if right. there were a revolution in our right. country today? Right. I mean, I, I, I think it's a far-fetched concept to us right now, but it think, such things happen. And right. so let's say that thing, uh, let's just say the wheels come completely off of the government here mm-hmm. in, in, in the future. And people start taking up arms and okay. rebelling. Okay. What would a Christian do? Okay. So we'll talk about that. Let us know your thoughts. 877-381-4567. We'd like to hear you on the phone tonight. That's toll-free, and we welcome your comments. Uh, one comment uh, that we mentioned last week before we uh, get into this discussion tonight, it became apparent to me uh, throughout this election, uh, the election tallies coming in, 
that uh, voting is a very ineffective way. In fact, it is impossible to change the world, I believe, with a vote. And uh, we need to be uh, committed to that and re- reminded of that. God wants us to change the world, but it's not in the voting place. Uh, yeah. And, and well, it's impossible because people are going to vote the way they already have, the way they already feel about something. So we're not going to convince anybody uh, to live more moral lives by by trying to. I mean, they're going to vote the way they already feel. It doesn't convince them anybody. No. It's, well, what you're saying is not going to convert anybody uh, to Christ by voting. But right. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you slightly, Jacob. And back up to our discussion last week, I think it is a way for Christians to exercise a godly influence in society. They can express themselves. Well, they, but it, it, there is some power in a vote. In other words, if, if I can vote for a candidate and help elect a candidate that takes a more moral stand, it's not making anybody a Christian, but it may help influence society toward a more moral path. And we talked about that last week. I think it's right to say that Christians can, and I would argue even should, take advantage of the unique. It's not so everywhere in the world, but in our unique situation, we have an opportunity to try and influence how our government leads the the people of the country. And and so, well, okay, I I don't want to derail the program, but that your your proposition only works if over half of the people already feel that way. If you're if you're in the minority, you're never gonna. It's not gonna change anything if you vote. Well, but it's it's. But that's the point. It, you're saying it's futile to vote. Well, I'm not saying if, it's futile. If every moral person took that position, no one would vote. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying that our focus doesn't need to be on the polling. No, that's right. It's, that's not our main thing. Yeah, right, right, that's not right. our main thing. And I'm, I'm not uh, saying that. I'm not saying uh, it is. I'm and just and nobody. I don't think anybody's suggesting that Christians make politics and voting in political matters their main thrust. In, in an effort to influence things, but it is a way, and I think it, it can be done. Okay, all right. We got a call already. We do. Frank, I believe it is, uh, is on the line. Uh, Frank, welcome to the virtual Bible study. Oh, it's Mike, guys. Mike. Oh, it's Mike. Oh, well, hey, hey, Mike. Mike in, Mike in Orleans, Indiana. Yeah, Mike. Mike in Orleans, Indiana. I, I call in too much if you know my voice. No, no, no. no we not know. enough, Mike. Not enough. <laughs> Hey, I, I just wanted to kind of, uh, I, I guess, knock this out of the park, you know, just uh, right away um, and, and kind of, uh, you know, put my two cents worth in. I, I think the Bible's pretty clear, you know, that for the most part we have to submit to the government, you know, uh, in First Peter chapter 2, verse 13, uh, you know, it says that we're supposed to, he says, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance for the, man, for the Lord's sake, whether to the king supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. And he goes on. But, uh, you know, to say that we're supposed to submit ourselves to every ordinance for the, for, uh, of, of man for the Lord's sake, I, I think that's, you know, with, we have to kind of keep that in context, but that's, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I think you're right, Mike. Just, you know, if, if you wanted to summarize it very simply, it says, uh, uh, our job as Christians in regards to the civil government is to be obedient to the civil government, to be submissive. Now, there are qualifiers that we'll add to that, but that's, you know, if you wanted the big picture, that's the big picture of it, and that's and that's exactly what we should do. Hang on line with this here, Mike, a minute. Let's, let's look at what some others ha- have to say about this. Yeah, Chris in Atlanta says we are to obey them so long as what they do say or do is not in conflict with Scripture. He cites Romans 13, verse 1. He also cites First Timothy chapter two verses one and two, where we learn that we're to pray for our leaders. All right, so uh, 
Romans 13.1 says, Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. So there's another one. Mike, you suggested 1 Peter 2, what verse is it, 13? 13 through 16, basically. Yeah, 13 through 16. And here Romans 13.1 would be another one that tells us our obligation to be obedient. Uh, All right. um, Yeah, the notes are the same verses that Aaron in Singapore referenced. Uh, He says, a Christian is to honor, uphold, and obey civil government to the extent it does not violate his duty to God. He should pray for its success in maintaining peace and order, 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2. In addition, in places where citizens have been granted a measure of political power, I believe that a Christian is expected to exercise that power rather than ignore it on the same basis that I believe God expects a king to use the authority given to him rather than set idly. So, yes, I believe God expects us to vote whether we ask for that power or not. Interesting take that Aaron has there. Yeah, he always he always challenges our thinking there. Thanks, Aaron, for that uh, input. But again, I think everybody's on the same page uh, as Mike suggested to us: uh, honor, uphold, obey the civil government. That that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, uh, yeah, we're getting re- we're getting a little bit redundant here, yeah, but, uh, and Ramona, all of our listeners are on yeah, the same page. Yeah, that's yeah, good. R- Ramona in Texas says, "Obey its laws, pay my taxes, and pray for its leaders." Okay, we hadn't mentioned uh, pay taxes yet. That's yeah. Romans thirteen six and seven. Well, Jesus taught that, too. That's true. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 17, uh, Therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Uh, they were challenging Jesus. And Jesus said, Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he said, Whose is this image and subscription? And they said, Superscription. And they said, Caesar's. Then said he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God. By the way, right there, Mike, you might comment on this. One of the things that's troubling to us as Christians when it comes to the business of paying our taxes is that they're using my tax dollars to do some things that I morally oppose. Uh, for instance, uh, and although there's, they'll, they'll quibble and equivocate about it, they use some of the tax dollars to fund abortions. Yes. They use a lot of tax dollars to, to provide welfare support to people who could be working, who yeah. won't work, and, yeah. and the Bible says they shouldn't eat. Uh, on that basis, I mean, there have been movements. I, I even knew a few years ago about some Christians up in Ohio who were refusing to pay their taxes and believed that they were justified to do so because the government was using the money for things that they didn't approve of. What would we say to that? Well, what, what do you think, Mike? Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. I, I was just thinking that that's a that's a tough one. You know, I, I think about the tax issue, and you know, there, there has to be, I suppose some level of judgment in that. I think, you know, ultimately, you know, uh, you, you look back, at the time that those statements were made in the Bible, though, those taxes were going, you know, th- those were being said to, to Christians who were going to serve under Nero, who was going to persecute them. Right, yeah. right by crosses or by lions for them to be eaten with. Right, yeah. right. So, you know, I, I think that's sort of said unequivocally. That being said, though, I mean, is is there a level of judgment? I, I'm sort of speaking outside the Bible, and I don't like to do that. We get ourselves in trouble when we do that. But let me let me give you the hypothetical, you know, that, that never happens. People love to do this, though. I'm going to throw one at you. Suppose the government said, okay, we own everyone, and we're going to tax you 100%. So everything that you get, you're essentially a slave of the government now. And uh, so we're going to tax everything that you own. Well, if they do that, I can't provide for my family, which I have a clear responsibility to do. So, I mean, if, if that scenario came up, you know, and, and the more taxes raised, the closer we get to that, when, when is the cutoff point 
when I say, no, I'm not going to pay my taxes to the government, but I'm going to, to provide for my family. <laughs> that would be a hard one, wouldn't it? Well, you're saying, in other words, uh, I've got five bucks, and the government wants it, and my child is starving to death. What am I, what am right. I going to do in, in an extreme? You're talking about an, in a, an extreme scenario where I can't make, I, I, I just simply can't fulfill financial obligations at all. Right. Uh, and, 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 you know, it could get to that point, you know, uh, the, the taxes that we pay, I, I feel the strain every year. You know, as a preacher, we don't, you know, typically, uh, some preachers do, I guess, but uh, I don't typically get a raise every year. And if I want to raise, I have to do this terribly uncomfortable thing to go and beg other churches to give me a raise, you know, so um, tell them that I need more money. But so, you know, every year I sort of feel this strain, like it's getting more and more difficult to pay bills, especially when the gas gets up to, you know, around four bucks a gallon and my health insurance and things like that, they keep going up and to the point where we can't, you know, we, we couldn't afford it and uh, things like that. You know, they're just, they're hard and, and it starts to make you wonder how much do you have to be able to provide for your family before you you finally say, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just too much. Or that, too that, much. That's and, a, and they're using that money to, to pay people that really don't deserve it, you know, people who could work and won't work, like you said. Um, boy, that's a tough call. Yeah, I, I, in an extreme situation where you know it's either uh, your family starves or you pay your taxes, then the other other factors may come to play. But I think our our baseline answer to that is you pay your taxes and you don't you, you the fact as you said that Jesus said give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Jesus right, was right. instructing his disciples and we are his disciples. Pay your taxes. The, the the basic answer is pay your taxes, and you, we are not accountable for the fact that the government may be doing things with some of that money that we don't approve of. Yes. All right. And, and I, I, I will concede that, that my scenario was a little extreme, a little silly, because I don't know of hardly any government on the face of the planet that has ever taxed their, their people to that extreme. But, you know, you do see some governments across, you know, across the world. We, we sort of look at things only from a Western American point of view, but what what about paying taxes over in Sudan, where these people are just you know starving to death? Yeah, and the government comes in and says, you know, you didn't pay your taxes this year. But but specifically to the point that I was bringing up, though, we can't withhold our taxes just because the government is doing things that we don't approve of, because we have the example of Jesus teaching them to pay Rome. All right. Okay. Hey, we're having so much fun talking to Mike. We forgot it is time for a break. Let's take a break, quick. Hey, Mike, uh, you want to stay on the line with us? Sure, I'll stand in line. All right. Okay, so you just in. called in for a simple comment. We roped you into being the guest. All right. That's it. Hang in there. Okay. Right, let's, let's take a break, and we'll be back with your comments, uh, hopefully, in the chat room, over email, or over the phone when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist, but that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist, but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, 
and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in him for salvation by doing what he says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The world is full of people who are making a good living but living poor lives. No matter how long you nurse a grudge, it won't get better. The person who says that something cannot be done should never interrupt the one who is doing it. If you would be loved, love and be lovable. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. A fair reputation is a plant, delicate in its nature, and by no means rapid in its growth. It will not shoot up in a night like the gourd of the prophet, but like the gourd it may perish in a night. Man, I wish I'd said that. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about our responsibility to government and maybe a government we disagree with. Let us know your thoughts over the phone, over email, in the chat room tonight. Mike uh, from Orleans, Indiana, is still on the line uh, as we talk about our responsibilities. And Roger in Murfreesboro sends in a good response. He says a Christian is to obey civil authorities. First, uh, the message of Titus 3.1 is obey magistrates. Second, the opening instruction of Romans 13.1 is let every soul be subject to the higher powers. When the Holy Spirit's instruction is to obey and to be subject to the laws of the land, that's a pretty plain message, wouldn't you agree? Uh, I guess we would. And number two, a Christian is to obey civil government for the Lord's sake, 1 Peter 2.13, because the powers that be are ordained of God, Romans 13, verse 1. Resisting such authorities is equal to resisting God's ordained authority and arrangement Romans 13, verse 2, obeying civil authorities is part of uh, obeying the Lord, for so is the will of God, 1 Peter 2, 15. That's something that we need to remember as well, that if we're not obeying governments, in effect, we're disobeying God because they are submissive to him. So it's a chain of command there. So you dis, if you're not uh, submissive to the government, you're dis, uh, insubordinate to God. And then uh, 3, Roger says, a Christian is to obey civil authorities regardless of the type of government under which he lives. This principle is tough for some to accept willingly, but it is true. In the U.S., we are blessed to live in a republic in which we are privileged to vote and elect governmental officials who are supposed to represent us and our best interest. The Apostle Paul did not live under such condition. Herod was very evil, yet the Holy Spirit through Paul said to be subject to the higher powers. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy for us to submit to our government, even though there's a lot of things going on that we may not agree with. We still live in a very blessed place with a lot of liberties. What if you lived under a totalitarian dictator? Mm-hmm. Still, same principle. You'd have to submit. Right, right, so, right. So I think I think we've got it. Uh, uh, Patrick, Patrick in, yeah, he's in, in the and, chat room and, as well. Yeah, Patrick's in the chat room. He's in Birmingham, Alabama. He says, obey just laws, fulfill civil responsibilities, pay taxes, vote, and defend our country if necessary. Uh, all right. That, well, that last one might bring some debate, but we're going to leave that for another time about participation in defending yes. our country okay. that, that people t- take different sides on that question and it's a worthy question but we'll 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 hold on that discussion for tonight uh, well we do have a listener who does agree with uh, the election and we're glad to have him here i think his name is dave uh, from cleveland ohio 
so he is interested in the topic and he's w willing to offer that he did vote for uh, President Obama. We're glad you're here, Dave. All right, and I've got another email here. Let's see. Uh, okay, all right, we're good. All right. All right okay. So let's go to this second. I think we I think we're all on the same page about what our responsibilities to the government is. Uh, Mike, let, let's get your let, let me ask you a question. We can we can cut you loose here if you'd like. Um, Mike, uh, how do you what, how do you go forward with uh, with the results of an election that you may have disagreed with? What's your how do you how do you how do you go forward from here? Well, I think we go forward just like we have in the past four years. I mean, we we submitted to the to the authorities that are above us, and uh, you know, we just try to live our. You know, the Bible tells us that as much as it's possible within us, whether we live peaceably, you know, among all men, um, you know, whether or not I approve of who got elected is is really irrelevant. And uh, you know, um, I think I think we just we just try to live the best we can. You know. If I could say something, I don't know if this is a, a little off topic or not, but um, I, I, I take personal responsibility for the direction this 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 country's headed. As, as much as I would blame, you know, every every other Christian that's around us, I think some of what we're seeing is a result of the church being too quiet for too long, and you know, we haven't taught people and evangelized like we should. And I think if we were more uh, vocal and more active in trying to help people understand. Know, why we, what sin is, and why we take these, you know, what seemingly are extreme stands against things like gay marriage, and uh, you know, uh, telling people that they need to work if they want to, to eat, and and things like that, you know, and why we feel so strongly about abortion and, and all these different issues. Um, you know, that's that's really the responsibility of the church to do their job. And when we start to see our our society in decline. Maybe it's because we haven't rolled up our sleeves and worked hard enough. What do you guys think? Well, I think you're right. We need to be a strong influence right. for for righteousness, and we need to be teaching and working and uh, encouraging and and all of that. However, I would say, you know, I, I don't want to just sound like we're defeatist, but, you know, even in the first century with the, in, in the life of Jesus and with the inspired apostles, they didn't stem the tide of immorality. I mean, the... Uh, uh, Satan's a very effective worker as well, and so uh, we do what we can. But I don't feel like we should just feel like we are ultimate failures simply because we have not influenced everyone to go in the right way. No, That's but, never been the case. No, but we do need to do some stuff. Look, look at Noah. Look at Noah. Look at look at Noah. Was Noah a failure? No. <laughs> well, that's but but we do need to do some evaluation and ask ourselves: Are we are we standing up for the right like we should? Are we are we are we being? I guess what I'm trying to say is. Uh, I would be content if 99% of the people were ungodly and immoral if I knew 99% of the church was out there just doing the best they could. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's what. Well, that's obviously that's what we got to be aiming hey, for. And one thing, uh, one thing that I that also is that uh, you mentioned Noah uh, and Micah. Noah. It was easier for Noah to be a good example in his day than it is for us because his world was so evil. He looked a lot. He looked a lot weirder than you do today, Mike. Think so? Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure. What do you think? I don't know. I, I mean, I, Noah's time was worse than ours. Hey, you know, we got to Don't you think he looked a little strange building that ark? When yeah, he, I mean, but, and we should. We should. Noah stands as an example. We should never imagine that we live in the worst of all right. possible times. Okay. We, our right. times are not as bad as Noah's for sure. Okay. All right, Mike. Thanks for calling in, buddy. Hey, thanks a lot. You guys, you guys take care. Thank all you, right. I appreciate your thoughts. Bye. All right. Bye. 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 All right, okay. uh, the line is now open eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. About time for another break. Uh, yeah, real quickly, I want to. Uh, uh, 
Patrick uh, has sent in another email, and he and he quotes, uh, or, or and I'm not going to take the time to read all of Psalm 145, but he he, he references Psalm 145, and I encourage you to list to read that perhaps uh, if you're listening. He says it reminded me of a truth which I think all of God's people sort of need to be reminded of. Uh, while I wish to be understood that Christians do have a duty to participate in civil society in a manner consistent with the teachings of Jesus Christ, including but not limited to voting, this is not the whole of Christianity and it is not sufficient. No human government is sufficient to solve the problems of humanity. By righteousness or sinfulness, pride or humility, mankind can incur the blessings or cursing of God. If we look to government for salvation, whether temporal or eternal, we will always be disappointed. But if we look to the king of the universe, we'll never be disappointed. God is our hope, not any human being or institution. In our times, even Christians in many cases lose sight of the truth and become carried away by worldly concerns and think that political or social activism is the whole of Christianity. It isn't, and we all need to be reminded of this continually. I think that's right, Patrick. Well said. Thank you, Patrick. 877-381-4567 is the number to call as we go to a break. We'll get back and... uh We've got to get into this because I think uh, this is going to be a temptation that will affect many, and I'm afraid many Christians will succumb to the temptation uh, to fail to act as they should towards a president or government that they disagree with. All right, we'll go rapid fire when we get back. All right, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. Many stories are told about pioneer preacher Raccoon John Smith. He was a man of strong conviction and clever wit. One of the better known incidents of his preaching work is related in this excerpt from a biographical sketch. Noticing one day that a young Methodist preacher had sprinkled a howling infant, he afterwards seized the man by the arm and in full view of the Methodist gathering that was meeting on the banks of Slate Creek, powerfully pulled him toward the water. When the man questioned John of his intentions, Smith informed him that he was going to be baptized. The Methodist preacher protested that he had no desire to be baptized. When the protest had been heard by the assembly, John stopped to make his point clear. Why had the baby been baptized against his will and before belief? A few laughed in admiration of John's witticism, but most were gravely touched by the seriousness of his argument. While this account may bring a chuckle, it also teaches a vital point. Infant baptism is an erroneous practice brought on by a false doctrine. Infants do not need baptism, for they are sinless. See Ezekiel 18.20 and Matthew 18.3. Additionally, any baptism entered into without prior faith, Mark 16.16, repentance, Acts 2.38, and confession, Romans 10.10, is of no effect to the saving of the soul anyway. The example of devoted men like Raccoon John Smith encourages us to be ready to use every opportunity to teach and defend God's truth. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight. We remind you this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can also find a podcast of recent sermons that have been presented here. We welcome you to check out our website. Uh, for more information. We're talking about our government and our responsibility to it as many, not everyone, is uh, disappointed 
with uh, the way the election turned out. Uh, how do we respond to that? And we need to understand what the scriptures teach because the scriptures tell us how to respond when we disagree with our government. Yeah. And so let's go to this question. How should Christians act or talk concerning a president or other officials that they do not like or approve of? Uh, Chris in Atlanta says we're to act and talk about the president just like we would act and talk about anyone. As a Christian, we must be respectful toward one another and not resort to name-calling. We can disagree with leaders, but we should never let our speech be hateful and condescending. He references Hebrews 12:14 and Matthew 7, verse 12. Hebrews 12:14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Okay. And so we, need to, we do need to be making sure that we're... Uh, striving to be at peace with others. Matthew 7, verse 12, Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even to them, uh, for this is the law and the prophets. All right. So um, uh, we, we, I think we need to be really careful uh, about our tone of, yes. of when we disagree. And I think a lot of our, as we said, a lot of our listeners disagree, but, but we still have to be respectful uh, of, of authority I thought Aaron in Singapore had a good point. He said, we're commanded to honor even rulers we do not like, First Peter 2.17, and we cannot escape this duty by belittling our rulers and then saying, I honor the office but not the man. Ooh. Peter's instruction is clearly honor the king mm. rather than honor the throne. That's interesting. Interesting distinction there. Yes, he says, it, it doesn't say honor the, the throne. He says honor the king. Yeah. And we cannot rationalize our way out of treating office holders with an honorable fat in an honorable fashion. This does not mean that we ignore sinful conduct on the part of rulers, but I believe that far too many Christians openly mock or belittle leaders from another political party, often following the lead of the of their favorite talk radio or Fox News host. Oh, there you go. Even in political affairs, we should strive to discuss issues in the manner described in 2 Timothy 2, 24-25, with gentleness and humility, with intent to educate the other guy rather than to, to demean him. In political discussion, many people, including Christians, are quick to ascribe the most vile motivations to the folks on the other side of the aisle, mostly because they don't actually talk much to the opposition to understand why they hold the positions they do. Wow, that is a very powerful paragraph from Aaron, and I do agree with it and appreciate uh, that, uh, that, that comment. Uh, we've got to be careful. Uh, you know, the uh, political talk on radio and television today, I'm afraid, influences Christians to uh, have the wrong view of their government. As he said, we've got to honor the king. All right. Uh, several of our, our respondents didn't comment on that one. Uh, Patrick in Birmingham says, We should voice just criticisms of that which seems harmful to the dignity of persons and to the good of the community. He quotes there, and I'm not sure where that quote comes from, but he says, I believe we should speak boldly and forthrightly about issues, but we should still be respectful toward persons. Colossians 4, 6 says, let your speech be all with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to respond to each person. Romans 13, 7, render to all them, render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We, the, the, the civil government deserves our honor, and we're to give that honor. And even if that uh, government is seeking our destruction as it was in the first century, as it was in the Old Testament times when Saul was uh, seeking David's destruction, David still honored him, uh, and uh, even David repented after he had uh, simply cut uh, Saul's garment. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, that, that would be something that would be dis disgraceful to the king. And David stands as a real example there because Saul was really a deplorable guy at that point, and he was seeking David's life aggressively, yeah. and David still wouldn't... Uh, treat him with disrespect he he called him the lord's anointed 
and he, he, he wouldn't do anything to, to bring harm to him. Well, uh, I'll tell you a story. Uh, I, I presented a lesson about uh, our responsibility to those people that we would disagree with in government, specifically the president. And uh, I was very, very stern about it, I thought. And I, you know, I knew there were people in the congregation who would have these, uh, these tendencies to speak evil of the king, uh, of the president, and uh, to you know, personal attacks. Well, I think it was even, this was on Sunday morning, I think it was even Sunday night. These people came around with a picture of the president and his cabinet it mocked up like they were uh, members of the Little Rascals. <laughs> <laughs> right after my lesson. I thought I would made some strong points, but it didn't work. All right. So I do think that that's a, a, an important challenge for us uh, as Christians. Let's, let's be careful. We all need to be careful. I mean, uh, we didn't, our guy didn't win. But let's be careful oh, okay. how we how we treat uh, the duly elected president of the United States and others. Uh, it's not just the president. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say bad things about the vice president, about uh, certain members of Congress, uh, yeah. and so forth. Let's, let's be careful. Let's speak. And with, maybe you need to turn off the talk radio. Yeah, I, I, I mean think, it's not it's not not all bad, but it may influence you to have some thoughts that you shouldn't have. Yeah, because as I mentioned on the program last week, there's there's one talk radio guy that I have to turn off because he'll start referring to the president as an idiot and a moron and all that sort of thing, and there's no place for that. Right. So we got we got to avoid that. Okay. I, I think again, I think most of our listeners are on the same page about that. Uh, let's see if we got anything. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 if there's anything in the chat room, you see anything, Jake, we need to comment Well, it's on. just going so fast. I think we're going to miss a lot of it tonight. Okay. Let's go on to our next question. Can a Christian refuse to submit to governmental rules, laws, with which he does not agree? And I said yes, no, sometimes, and explain. Uh, I've heard certain, certain Christians in regards to, for instance, the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everybody recognizes the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Right. What if the government started collecting all of our weapons? Right. You, know, you can't you can't have a shotgun, you can't have a hunting rifle, you can't have a pistol. Turn your guns in. Uh, I've known some Christians said they can't do that. It's 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 contrary to the Constitution. They can't. It's not right. They're, we wouldn't have to submit because that's a violation of the Constitution. Right. Okay, they changed the Constitution. Yeah. They just uh, they just abolished that part of the Constitution. Yeah. What what would we do? Well, we have to submit. Yeah. We have to submit. I mean. Uh, uh, you know, the submission is not tested when they're just telling us things that we agree with. Submission right. is tested when they tell us things we don't agree with, and we still have to do what they say. You know, I was in a I was in a sporting goods store today, and the the gun counter was buzzing. You would think they were giving away guns as many. People I've been were. reading that in the news that gun it was sales unbelievable. That's what scares me a little bit uh, yeah. in regards to our last question yeah. about people possibly rebelling. Yeah, you know. Uh, it's a little bit scary. Yeah, it was crazy. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So, what were you doing in a gun shop? Well, I wasn't. <laughs> well, I wasn't in a gun shop. It was a sporting store. Oh, oh, I was oh. buying ammunition. I got, a, I got some. I got a deer problem. I got to work on. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, there's some people who would probably be willing to help you with that deer problem if yeah. you invite them. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Well, they 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 like that. I All guess right. So. All yeah. right. So let's see what our emailers said. And those of you in the chat room, what about uh, can we? Can we refuse governmental laws that we don't agree with? Yes, no, sometimes. Tell us what you think. Uh, Chris says sometimes we can refuse to submit. If man's law violates God's law, then we have to obey God. The law allows me to drink, divorce for any reason, kill unborn babies in the name of convenience, but God plainly teaches me these actions are wrong. 
Thankfully, these are optional choices, and the government has not mandated we do any of these things. If it were a mandate, then I would have the obligation to refuse. Chris is right on. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the verse we're looking for there is Acts 5.29. We ought to obey God rather than yeah. men. We ought, to obey, we ought to obey government. We've, we've established that. But when the government and God are at contradiction to one another, yeah. and the government's telling us to do one thing, God's telling us to do the other, we ought to obey God rather than men. That's, that, that's a really basic, essential truth of the Scripture. Okay. And Aaron in Singapore says the government, the Christian must obey government to the extent it does not violate his duty to God, Acts 5.29. All right. Uh who is this? I'm, this is uh, this would be uh, Ramona. Ramona. Ramona in Texas uh, references Romans thirteen two through four. It's commanded of God to to submit. In other words, that's the general rule: submit. But I think we have this exception that uh, if if the rule of God uh, is opposed by the rule of man, we obey God. And uh, we have Roger in Murfreesboro says while Christians are obligated to obey civil authorities, if the government if, the, if there are government regulations that are not in harmony with God's laws, Christians must choose to obey what God says because God's people are to act as obedient children at all times. First Peter 1.14, if man's laws are at odds with the teaching of the Bible, God's children are to obey the Bible. Yes, in every situation we ought to obey God rather than men. Remember, we are not at liberty to not submit to a government law just because we don't like it. A saint's decision to not submit to a civil law must be based on thus says the Lord and not his own personal likes or preferences. I think Roger's right on that. And that, that goes to the point I was making. You know, I, it would really upset me if they took away our Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms. But that's not essential. Having a gun is not essential to me being a faithful Christian. Right. And, and, and there's nothing in, in the Word of God says, thou shalt maintain weaponry in your home. Right. Right. And so if the government says you can't have weapons in your home, Although I wouldn't like it, uh, then I, I, I couldn't oppose uh, that rule. I would have to submit to it. Now, if the government came along and instead said, no one can assemble for worship, well, then I'd have to violate that law right. because God commands us to assemble for right. worship. And, right. and so uh, we, we see great Old Testament examples like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. When the government insisted they do something contrary to the will of God, they obeyed God. All right. Uh, here, Patrick has a good example. He says, I disagree, for example, that there should be laws requiring adults to wear seatbelts or motorcycle helmets if they don't want to. Yet I submit to this law, there's no profit in disobeying it. But what if the government mandated something immoral, for example, in idolatry, murder, or sexual immorality in some manner, I would have to disobey. That's exactly good right. point, Patrick. Uh, and, uh, and he's also sent in an email. Uh, he represents the Catholic Catechism. Uh, where I think it says uh, similar things. Okay. Uh, he, he, uh, he sent us a, a, a longer response there. Uh, he, he quoted, Patrick is a Catholic, and gave us quite a long quote from the Catholic Catechism. Catechism, catechism I'll say that yeah, right That's right. Uh, They're going to throw you in the catacombs uh, if you don't get it right. That's right. Uh, but basically taking the same position that, that we think the Bible teaches. Okay. All right. Quickly, we need to get a break, and then we'll go to the top of the hour. We're talking, talking about, about rebellion. rebellion, revolution. It's going to be a revolutionary topic uh, here at the end of the program, so don't go anywhere. We'll continue the discussion right after these messages. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. There are 38 states, including Washington, D.C., in which married couples make up fewer than 50% of all households. This was true of only six states in the year 2000. 
That information is via the U.S. Census Bureau, cited in the New York Times. The Word of God says in Romans 1, verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about our responsibility to civil government. I see in the chat room, just in reference to what we were just talking about, we would have to disobey the civil government if they told us to do something against the will of God. And, and you know, that seems a little bit far-fetched to us, but... In the chat room, some are mentioning, you know, it's maybe not that far away. Uh, Mike uh, mentions in California, it's now illegal for Christian counselors to advise treatment to help people come out of homosexuality. Okay. Uh, uh, and, and Patrick asked, what would it be the case if, a, a, as a preacher, you were mandated that you could not refuse to marry homosexual couples? Okay. I, I think that may be not that far away. Well, Kevin says the government is leaning more towards making preachers who preach against homosexuality as having hate speech. Uh, they must still speak where the Bible speaks when the practice is condemned in God's word. This is a current near-term challenge to our faith. I think that may be the uh, the thing that brings religious persecution. Yeah, to Mike, our Mike says hate speech penalties are coming. Yes, and I think that they'll. I think that we. It's not too far away where those with the homosexual agenda will seek out certain churches and. And make a and point. Make a point. A, a test case to show that, and try to silence all their opposition that way. Okay. So we'll have to. We, but as as clearly said, we've got to obey God. We've got to teach the truth of God on that subject and all others. Okay. All right. Finally, question four. What we sent out earlier today. After the recent election, at least one prominent national figure used the word revolution. Uh, I don't know if everybody knows who I was talking about when I sent out that question. That was Donald Trump. Was in it a, in a tweet? I missed on that. Twitter. He called for revolution. He, he had it wasn't too many minutes later that he re, that he deleted that mm. tweet and uh, got a lot of grief for having said that word. He detweeted it. He detweeted. Let's talk about what would you do? What would you do? First of all, let's let's look at it from a historical perspective. Now here we are living in America, and we're very blessed to be here. Yes. And part of our part of the thing that blesses us is that we are a free, independent country, and we gained that through a war of revolution against the, the the King of England. So, in other words, we're kind of grateful for our freedom and independence, but it came at the cost of revolution. Uh, some of our national forefathers led a, a revolution against the King of England. If you had been living in that time, uh, a little over 200 years ago, and you were a Christian... What would you have done? I ask, if you lived in the time of the American Revolution, what would you have done? Would you have been a loyalist or a revolutionary? Explain why. All right. Uh, let's have a quick comment in the chat room. Uh, would you join the revolution uh, in uh, 1776, or would you have sat on the sidelines? 
Let us know your thoughts about that in the chat room. Simple comments or simple responses that are all you need. Yeah, okay, so we've got uh, – well, I, I can't keep track who's uh, – this is, this is Roger in, in Murfreesboro. He says, based on the responses above, I would have to be a Christian first and follow God's teaching. Though I may not like the tax burden of, uh, imposed by the King of England and the taxing without representation, I must submit to the higher powers and obey magistrates. With that said, I would be a loyalist. All right. Uh, Chris in Atlanta says, if, I were, if we were in a situation where the government was forcing everyone to violate God's word – then I believe we could participate in a revolution. It would need to be an extreme incident like Muslim Sharia law was being forced on all citizens, citizens under a penalty of death. For other less extreme cases, we would not have a revolution but could refuse to obey the law in question, protest, use the court system, etc. I disagree with Chris's response. Uh, yeah, I mean, because that's pretty subjective. How, how are we going to say, okay, this is serious enough for revolution, but that's not serious enough for revolution? Well, and the and wasn't Rome uh, forcing everyone to violate God's word? I mean, they were saying if you're a Christian, we're going to come after you. Yeah. Uh, so what was there? Would that would that justify the Christians organizing a revolution? It, it apparently didn't. I know it, it didn't. Jesus and the apostles didn't. They say, still said be a take be up submissive. arms. Submissive. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I for a, a, a rare case, I would have to disagree a little bit with Chris's conclusion there. Okay. Uh, uh, but there is the principle. We already said we we would oppose any rule or law or legislation that causes us to violate the will of God. We, we we're not going to submit to that. But that's different from trying to overthrow the government. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, there's a little little uh, postscript there to his email. He's willing to come on the program. Yeah, I saw that. We'll get yeah, him on. Yeah, we want to hear Chris. Chris is our most loyal he is. respondent. He, is. And, and he, he never and lets us right down. down the line. We usually agree. I think that may be the first time we had any slight disagreement with Chris's responses. Yeah. And maybe he could clarify that for us. Yeah. Uh, Patrick in Birmingham says, I don't I honestly don't know. It would be easy to say from my comfortable chair at my computer that I would have joined the revolution. I've read the Declaration of Independence. It enumerates the grievances the colonies had with the King of England. Uh, and then he goes on to, to cite some of those. Uh, he has kept us in times of peace. He, he has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures, uh, quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, and so on. Uh, he's, and he says, considering these and other things mentioned in the Declaration, it's easy to see that the conditions they were living in would be considered justifiable reason for them to have begun revolution, especially considering that they attempted and exhausted every possible peaceful means to resolve the situation. This leads me to the second part of the question, which I'll again answer by quoting from the Catholic Catechism. Catechism and he goes on to reference that. So Patrick says, yeah, he might. He, he might join the revolution. Well, uh, all right. Interesting. Uh, yeah, okay. And Aaron uh, says, no, a Christian cannot participate in the overthrow of his government. That includes the revolution, Revolutionary War, period. When I believe that Christians should have been preaching an obligation to honor the king and to submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, First Peter 2.13. That includes tax policy, whether we have representation or not. Remember, taxation without representation whatever John Adams may have thought. John Adams was one who coined that phrase, no taxation without representation. I think he ought, yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, to go further, I do not believe that the Declaration of Independence is correct when it claims that if government persists in abuses towards its citizens, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government. I do not believe that the New Testament prevents, I, that prevents Christians from expressing views about the policies uh, what policies should be pursued, even if they are, those are different from the policies currently in place. But it does require Christians to submit, even if even to rulers as vile as Nero. You know, this Rome thing keeps coming up. 
Uh, and, but it, it's got to be in the Bible for a reason. Here we got one of the most corrupt governments that ever existed. Christians were living under that government, and they were told to submit, yeah. not to rebel. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think I think Aaron's answer is spot on. How can you uh, uh, submit to every ordinance uh, of man for the Lord's sake when you're in direct violation and you're you're wanting to overthrow that? I, those those two things seem to be contradictory. Let us know your thoughts in the chat room. Uh, looking for someone to respond in the chat room. Well, would you would you revolt or would, would you join you, the revolution? You going to join the revolution? Stay loyal to the government. You know, I, I, some of us were talking about this a while back, and one fellow suggested this. Well, you couldn't have been the one to start the revolution, but you could join it after it got going. In other words, and go back historically. So we were under the king of England, and then some men got together and they said, "We're not under the king of England anymore. We're we're setting ourselves up as a separate." nation yeah okay now they're a separate nation so i and i'm here so i submit to those people who set up this separate nation okay i, I actually don't think that's i mean that that that's pretty ineffective argument i think the king of england had not surrendered his authority over the colonies right. until the war was lost and and then they 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 they, they surrendered and withdrew okay. then the colonists had their country they didn't have it yeah. Until they had won that war, and so I think during the time of the war, while it was still in question, how the, what the outcome would be, I think a Christian would have been obligated to remain submissive to the king. Now, do we like that? Uh, you know, politically, we say, "Man, that's that's uh, we don't like that outcome." But I think biblically, we have to take that position. Okay. Uh, and Ramona says, if we were still after those Tories, I might be thinking a thing or two of joining. Yeah. It's, I'm a little bit surprised that several of our responses were, yeah, I think I could maybe join the revolution. I I, I got to say, I, I agree with Aaron's email. I just don't see any way that we could. All right. Uh, uh, Patrick says, let's see, uh, Nick in the chat room says, uh, Rome was very much like America is becoming, but then we modeled our government after Rome. Uh, Mike says, I would not join the revolution. Kevin says, it would be hard to join the revolution, or rather... Maybe start the revolution as you suggest. Uh, okay. Uh, and, and there's some other comments. Patrick mentions the Roman government was used by the Jews. Of course, I think that's right. I think the Jews let the and the, and actually I think we see that in the Book of Revelation that God was going to send a judgment against both the Jews and the Romans for opposing his 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 people and his kingdom. Okay. And Anthony says our current constitution permits us to rebel. No, as the emailer just stated. Is it legal to rebel if the government tells you you can rebel? Well, the, the oh, well, it, it was just quoted in the Declaration Is of it? Independence uh, in Aaron's email. You know that that uh, how did that go in the Declaration of Independence? Let me see if I can get that back. Well, uh, it, it seems to, well. It, it says in the Declaration of Independence. That it claims if the government persists in abuses toward its citizens, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government. Um, now that that's an that interesting. That's an, Anthony, you've thrown a, a fly in the ointment there. I, I don't know. In other words, if the government gives us the right to rebel, are we doing wrong to rebel? Is it is it rebelling if if it's the law? It's, that might yeah. might not. But anyhow, I think that that was more uh, that's more in the Declaration of Independence, which those revolutionaries were trying to justify the action that they were taking against the King of England. Maybe they felt guilty themselves. Uh, I, I I don't think there's any law on the books that says. How would you? How would it be written? Yeah. You, as citizens, are obligated to rebel when 
what conditions are met. I don't think that's a law. I don't think it's a yeah. law of the land. I think it wasn't a law at the time of the revolution, and I think we need to be careful today as well. I, I, I don't think uh, I don't think you. I don't know. So bring it as we wrap this up. Bring it to the to the current situation. A lot of us, I'll include myself, were disappointed when the election went the way that it went. More so to the fact I think it just represents the direction that our country is going and going more rapidly. I, I think that was the really discouraging thing to me is that that uh, the, the election outcomes were an indicator of how far down the road we've gone as a country. You know, and and it does not bode well for the future. Those were the disappointing things. But it, it is what it is. Reality is that we've got this current uh, administration in Washington. We have elected officials all over the country. I, someone gave a number the other day. How many actual electoral uh, election races were conducted across the country? It was up in the thousands. Yeah. There were obviously thousands of good candidates that were elected as well. So it, it, all is not lost. Uh, but there is some sure disappointment in the fact that uh, – Good and uh, righteous principles uh, are, are largely being ignored in our country, and we're concerned about that. So we keep working. That's right. And, keep uh, working with the truth of God's Word. Hey, and the world is just as evil today as it was this time last week. And uh, our responsibility to not be spotted by this world and to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, uh, those responsibilities remain the same. And so we've just got to be committed that uh, regardless of what the world around us does, we're going to be faithful to God, and we're not going to allow the world to influence us. And that's a challenge, uh, that uh, we make sure that we influence the world and they don't influence us. Uh, that's our daily challenge. We've got to make sure we're, we're living up to it. All right, great. We had a lot of activity in the chat room tonight. We appreciate everybody who was in there. Mike is in there. He called us uh, earlier and participated. Thanks, Mike, uh, Patrick, Anthony, uh, Kevin. A bunch of our regulars are in the chat room and some new guests as well. We appreciate everybody who's in there uh, helping out with the discussion tonight. Okay. All right. Well, we had a good discussion. Look forward to next week's discussion. All right. Any ideas? No, but we are always open to your questions and your suggestions. Uh, we've got a stack uh, of questions that have come in, and pretty soon we'll have to go back to one of those uh, listener question kind of programs. Jeff's been behind the controls all night, Jeff, and we didn't get to you at all. Uh, any comments before we conclude? No, I, I just wanted to bring idea about the government and you know the health care idea some businesses are questioning whether they should right. provide that the health care and that's another thing that yeah, yeah i think we're going to i think we're going to see some big changes uh uh in other words uh, but concerning the health care the i understand the provision is there if they choose not to provide health care to their employees they can simply pay a fine to the government the government will provide uh the health care and I think that may go that way. So I, I, that's, there's a lot about that that's up in the air. But, okay. again, we just submit. Whatever they throw at us, we'll have to submit to it. All right. We need to go, and uh, we'll look forward to next week's discussion. We appreciate you for being a part of the program tonight. We'll look forward to being back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you, put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.